5 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 50-50 podcast. I almost said inside Texas high school soccer there. Of the 50-50 podcast, episode 80. We are ready to go. We got a special guest in the house on episode way overdue. He, We are uh, proud to bring you the head women's soccer coach of the Angelo State University Rambells, Coach Travis McCorkle. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Hector. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited to finally have you here. I know uh, this has kind of been long in the making. Have really wanted to uh, to have you on here. Yeah, we really appreciate in terms of the the support of the podcast that your program and some of your athletes, and particularly you, have provided for us. So really happy to have you here and uh, tell us everything all about uh, ASU women's soccer. Yeah, a lot going on right now. Uh, I mean, as you can see in the in the background here, uh, new the new stadium. Uh, that we have, it's it's just so different now. I walked out to practice the first day when they put in the roof over the press box and the visitors area, and it's just it's just different. I mean, we have like a little mini skyline for for a soccer team, which is pretty awesome. And then on top of that, you know, we were talking beforehand about the the field house that we have. Um, you know, two point four million dollars for that. Uh, it's going to wow. be really nice. And uh, again, all this. The, the stands, everything, uh, all 100% donor money. And, wow. um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, obviously, we'll get into that a little bit more. Definitely going to ask you some questions on that as well. So, But that's great stuff. I mean, you came you came right out of the gate with that stuff. I love that. It's great. <laughs> hey, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> so before we talk about what, what you have going on in terms of the future, Coach, right, let's uh, – I want to look back really quick and tell us kind of where you've been, right, for some of our listeners – you look back at 20, the 2022 season, right? 13, four and three uh, on the year, finished in second uh, in uh, the Lone Star Conference. And we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more in a second, but uh, made it to the NCAA tournament and, and uh, believe uh, came up short in the first round versus UCCS in, in overtime. Is that correct? Did I see that correctly? Yeah. First round? Yeah. yeah. So what was, when you look back on that, um, maybe now that you've had more time and you've definitely been more removed from that, what was maybe the biggest lesson taken from that season? Ooh, uh, you know, you got to keep the players fresh and, you know, you get to the postseason, it's, it's a long season and you get to that point and what you don't want is for your players to go, ah, oh, we made it. Now we can just, you know, whatever happens, happens. We, right. we, we want the girls to, to still compete and, you know, I thought that we did okay. It's, you know, obviously it was a pretty chilly night there, uh, early November. We're playing on turf. It was a brand new turf field this year uh, at Mines that we were playing against UCCS. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, just different. I mean, this is a team that, you know, we, we tied Mines 2-2 uh, here at home. We beat uh, Dallas Baptist 
you know, at home again. And so maybe it's on the road, but, um, you know, we have the capability to compete with some of the best teams in the region. And uh, yeah, just that night, it just wasn't on. And, and we did have a few injuries. At one point we were playing without a forward. We, we had, you know, we had to put a midfielder up there. So we had some issues um, and we did our best. And I'm pretty proud of the girls to fight back. And, you know, I think we scored a goal with a couple minutes left in regulation to push it in overtime. And, uh, you know, like our baseball coach says uh, all the time here, he says, teams don't finish until they're ready to finish. Mm. And, um, you know, so maybe maybe there's some truth in that. I, I'm not sure. But we're going to do everything we can to, to elevate and, and uh, move forward from that uh, going forward. Gotcha. So and what was was the biggest obstacle there? Right. You have a program there. You're in the NCAA tournament uh, program out of Texas playing in Colorado in November. That's got to be fun. Was that the first biggest initial obstacle there? Yeah, I mean, the weather was it was cold. But, I mean, we've had cold weather here. I don't think it – it wasn't near as cold as it was supposed to be that day. Mm-hmm. Um, when the sun went down, though, I mean, it. Uh, I know because I'm from Colorado. Right. So when the sun goes down, I mean, the temperature drops radically with the with the light. And so, yeah, that, that probably had a little bit of something to do with it. And I think, like I said, some injuries and us just not having the depth um, in each position to kind of, you know, uh, substitute players in and out. And obviously, too, it's it's different in college with the substitution rules. And, you know, you can't just right. pop a player in for, for 10 minutes and then, you know, hope to weather that and then put back in your starter. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, but, yeah, we just weren't able to possess the ball as well as we had. You know, it's virtually a, UC, a UCCS home game for them. Um, they're a couple hours away from home. So we had a good turnout with our fans. We always do. Uh, but, yeah, just in the final third, we, we just we weren't very dangerous. Um, as much as we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. Um, as, like I said, especially because we get back into it with about two minutes left in the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I asked about that Colorado weather because I know you are a native of, is it Glenwood Springs? Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah. 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 And very familiar with that mines, uh, <clears throat> that mines facility, that, that campus, having been, uh, having been at the Air Force Academy myself, uh, very, fam- <laughs> very familiar with that place. So, for sure. So, so we talked about, you know, you the Lone Star Conference. We look back at 2022. You finish finish in second behind a Dallas, you know, DBU Dallas Baptist program that had a, was having a historic season in their own right. Mm-hmm. What was we talk about that 22 season, right? What was the maybe the impact coming out of that season going into your this past spring season that you just had in 2023? The biggest thing is is that we graduated five up the spine. Start graduated a five year. Mm-hmm. Uh, goalkeeper, goalkeeper of the year for the conference, uh, center back, uh, defender of the year. We lose our defensive midfielder. Uh, we lose an attack, our, our starting attacking center midfielder, and we lose our starting forward. So you, know, you lose five up there. You know that you need to get players comfortable without those players as quick as possible. And obviously it's not the exact um, situation that we want. We'd love to have our new players in and get them uh, used to things. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it was really about trying to get those other players that – didn't weren't used to getting as many minutes trying to get them comfortable in the expectations of, you know, how things would be different this next fall uh, with a change of role for them Um, going from maybe uh, a a substitute or, you know, a spot minutes player. uh, And then also the other ones that are maybe the regulars changing their roles and responsibilities from being, you know, one of the people that listen to the leaders of the team, for example, and now they are supposed to uh, take some of that leadership responsibility on themselves. 
And so that was really a lot of what we worked on. Um, we worked on our defending. We've worked on, you know, how we're going to try and, and score in the final third. And we're kind of, we're getting closer to that. It's kind of been an evolution of our team mm -hmm. uh, to change from, you know, previously, I think we were always trying to get one forward that just, you know, had some speed and could stretch the back line and, you know, cause some problems that way and or be really good on, on corner kicks. And this year, I would say that, you know, the last two years, we, we've been really kind of uh, working a lot more in our possession. And so it's not just about stretching the back line. It's not just about hitting a ball over the top and seeing what we could do. And I don't think we're ever that way 100%. But um, so we're much better in our possession, much more comfortable. Uh, and then the other part was just trying to decide if we're going to if we're going to move back into three five two or we're going to stick with a four two three one. And so I think what we've decided is that we'll try and use both um, this next year. Okay. So we have a few more defenders coming in. I think we'll be a little bit stronger there. You know, this last year we played in a three five two for half the season, and then basically what happened was is through attrition uh, of defenders. You know, we just didn't have the right uh, substitution patterns where we could give those three center backs. Uh, the rest that they need and recovery. And, you know, they just started breaking down a little bit. And so that's something that I knew beforehand, but I thought, well, I think we have five, uh, maybe six that are good that can play center back. And then through injuries and whatever, it just doesn't work out that whole way. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you that that's pretty much every team goes through that. You know, you have a plan going in and then uh, different things happen and, you know, right. you have to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you mentioned goalkeeper there. So, I was going to ask you, being that, as you know, we cover the state, but being based out of here, out of San Antonio, you have in uh, there currently on your roster a uh, local product out of uh, Smithson Valley here in uh, Melina Martinez at goalkeeper. How is she getting settled in so far? She's done great. You know, this year we, we were a little bit strategic. There were a couple opportunities where we thought, okay, maybe we're going to put her in. But then the idea was – you know, at that point, we said, well, why use a year of eligibility for, you know, maybe 30 minutes, 15 minutes, twice or something like yeah. that? It just didn't seem like the right thing to do. And so I talked to her about it during the game. Uh, and then we've talked, you know, we talked after the game uh, some other times about that, too. And but she's great. I mean, she is a player that came in on a club team that we scrimmaged last preseason. And I thought, you know, she's really got a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of skill there. And I think maybe we need to try and bring her in, you know, and because mm -hmm. we were bringing another new goalkeeper in at the same time. And we thought, well, you never know. I mean, just like with any player, you bring them in, you have this idea in your mind about what they're going to be. And then they come in and sometimes it's, it's better than that. And sometimes it's, you know, just what you imagine. And sometimes it's less. And so we didn't really know what to expect. So we said, well, let's bring her in. And uh, if she's interested and she's been great, I mean, she's great yeah. with the team, great with the coaches, uh, you know, works hard all the time, still has light moments. Uh, you know, some laughing and stuff. So she doesn't take herself too seriously. Uh, but she's been great and really kind of an ideal situation, especially considering that she's not getting minutes. I mean, you know, she really handled it really well um, and worked hard this spring. And so we're looking forward to seeing what she can do uh, in the future for us. But a great kid. Great stuff. And and we know, you know, kudos to you and your staff because you all, you all have done a great job in terms of making that a point to uh, try to, recruit and find some of those great student athletes that are based out of this uh, the greater San Antonio area. So kudos to you and your staff as well. Yeah, um, coach, we talk about, so you are, we know you as the, the winningest coach, you know, in, uh, in ASU women's soccer history. So going into what, I think this is going to be your 15th year this fall. Is that right? Is it 15th? I think it's 16th. Yeah. 16th. Okay. 16th, not so. counting the, the two seasons as an assistant. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. 
So what's since arriving to now, what has been maybe the single biggest change? Oof. Um, I mean, one of the things that I have to mention is my assistant, Harold Munoz. Uh, and, and also, you know, this year we've got Avery uh, McNamee and we've got Kira Miller, uh, former goalkeeper for us. And Avery was a four-time midfielder of the year for the Lone Star Conference. But having Harold on the staff especially uh, has just been a game changer. You know, he has so much knowledge in the game itself, but he's also so good at recruiting. He loves it. And if you want to be a good assistant coach, you have to love recruiting. You should love recruiting. And I think that it's freed it up for me so that I can handle, you know, we've just been able to compartmentalize and say, all right, you're going to be the, uh, you know, in charge of, of recruiting and kind of who you bring in and who we see. And then we get them into a camp and, but, you know, just to be able to bounce ideas off of him and, and the trust that I have in him. And I, I hope the trust he has in me makes a huge difference. The other part is just about ASU in general. I mean, the, the campus has just grown so much and, you know, our soccer complex, the different things that I talked about there, you know, are certainly a microcosm of how the, the university is is changing um, and modernizing. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people would say trying to keep uh, pace with other schools. I think that now, I think our soccer facility will be ahead of most of the schools that we play against. I mean, I know DBU has a nice complex, but DBU doesn't have a roof over their, their stands. And you know, that makes a big difference uh, for the fans, you know, to be comfortable, not get wet, not get burnt by the sun uh, and then having our new clubhouse there. So all those things, I think us bringing in engineering while I've been here, bringing in aviation uh, nice. where nice. Students, students have a, a pathway yeah. to become a pilot. Um, so, I, you know, I did not know that. that's pretty awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, the most the, the latest two recruits, one that we've signed that's coming in this next year. Um, is an aviation major, and then we have another one that we've yeah. just gotten a verbal commitment from, uh, and she also plans to 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 look into aviation. So, Great yeah, those things are really big, and and the size of the community, and um, yeah, I mean, I think those are probably some of the things that I can think of. Um, I'm sure there's other things too, but nothing's racing to my mind right now. <laughs> so you gave us some you gave us some teasers there, right? So tell us about these uh, these these massive facility upgrades, Coach. This complex that's going up in terms of some of it, you're kind of showing off there behind you for those of you that are watching on video. But tell us what's still in the works and what uh, when it's all said and done, what will it look like? What will it, what will it be? And what do you project its impact to be? And I, I mean, I think it's it's a fantastic facility. The the surface itself is good. Um, you know, we always are trying to improve that, make it smoother. And, you know, obviously being here in San Angelo, uh, water is always something that we get plenty of sun, but we need more water. Uh, but those those stands, I mean, they're just begging for uh, the fans to come in. And it's not just that it protects the fans from the wind, I mean, from the rain and from the sun. That's a huge part of it. But the other part that it adds is the sound, the volume. Now that you mm. have that all covered, you know, everything gets pushed back down in. And then we're going to have a sound system that, that comes into there too. You nice. know, we have a, an automated video capture system uh, that we use through Huddle, uh, Huddle Focus. Uh, and then the other parts are the new clubhouse that's coming in with new locker rooms and offices. Uh, I mean, the, the locker room is just going to be amazing. I mean, we're going to have uh, first rate everything in there. There's going to be a 100-inch uh, commercial a TV that we've, that we're purchasing, that's going to go in there, nice. you know, so instead of having an overhead projector that you got to turn off the lights and worry about the players going to sleep or whatever, um, you know, now we'll have that. And 
hopefully it'll get used for a lot for soccer. Um, watching oh, they're, still, they're still going to go to sleep, coach. It doesn't matter how big of a team. They're still going to go to sleep. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So, but probably, you know, they can they can play their uh, uh, an Xbox or PlayStation or something like that on there too. And you know, sometimes we've had players in the past uh, that do watch. Uh, they have a favorite team. Maybe it's you know Arsenal, United, uh, something like that that they can watch in there. And um, it, it's just going to be a next level thing and, and something that you know when people are looking and saying, where do I want to go play college? You know, in the past, it was talking about ASU and our strong academic success that we have and uh, small classroom sizes and, you know, different things like that. Now we have the facilities that I, you know, I can proudly say I don't I mean, I would say show me another facility that's better than this um, with, with what we have for the fans and, and all that com combined with women's soccer in D2. And I think you can maybe even stretch that to a lot of D1s. Uh, rumor has it. Uh, rumor has it that uh, a potential podcast studio there for the fifty fifty podcast as well. Is any truth to that? Maybe. No? Say that again. What were you saying? A podcast studio there for the fifty fifty podcast in of there course. as well. Rumor has it. I don't know. I don't know. No, we do. We have a side. We have a side uh, in our press box. We have actually uh, there you an go. Extra little room that can be used for either a like a VIP suite or, in your case, VIP plus the fifty fifty podcast. <laughs> all right, I like it. I like it. That's great stuff, Coach. That's great. So when will when will it all be complete? Fieldhouse, everything, the whole nine? Because I know it's still an ongoing thing. Yeah, the stands and everything are done now. They're just doing some cosmetic stuff behind. Uh, the fieldhouse and all that, I think they just finished the plumbing. I think they're getting ready to pour the concrete now. They've got to do that vapor barrier and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, But I'm being told probably the middle to end of the fall semester. Gotcha. So, I, I would say that it's open and ready to go by by the spring semester starting. So worst worst case, the end of this season, you'll move in, right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great yeah. stuff. My my personal guess is is probably uh, the last week of uh, of the of the schedule, and you know maybe one game. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Something <laughs> That's like usually that. how it goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we go back, coach. So and we talked about the 2022 fall season, and then prepping for the spring what were your thoughts when you look back on it you reflect what were what was coming out of this past spring season versus going into it what was the big takeaway coming out of it versus going into it you're talking about the fall the spring no the spring this past spring season this 2023 oh. spring the spring yeah. period yeah. yeah well i think that one of the things was the question marks on the players that hadn't seen as many minutes would you know would they step up would they be able to play at the same speed of play that we wanted, you know, we, we really have been trying to focus on uh, being able to play quicker with less touches with anticipating, you know, where we want to go quicker. Um, and so I think that those questions that we asked, I think there were many of the girls on the team, maybe most of the girls on the team that increased their level uh, in what they were doing. Um, you know, I think the other part that, that kind of became something that we got to look at was our other forwards. You know, I think that Grace Jordan had played a tremendous amount of minutes uh, this last year with, with Reagan Urbany. Uh, and then Grace had an injury uh, for much of the spring and couldn't play that much. So then our other uh, girls got to play up front and had opportunities could, to show us what they could do. And it's really a negative thing for Grace, but it was a huge plus for everybody else. Um, you know, on the downside, I would say is that I think we had uh, one goal from a forward. And let's see, maybe two. I think I won in our alumni game and then and one other. Um, so that part is still a work in progress. But, you know, the, the issue is, is that 
whenever you put a, a team together and you're trying to work on things, defense is usually the thing that gets done first. It's usually the, I don't want to say easiest, but it's the simplest to organize and construct concepts with. Mm-hmm. And then in the attack, because there's so many options of what you can do, it's usually the thing that takes the longest. So that's why I would gotcha. say like, you know, most teams, we, at least for us, I'll speak for us. We don't come out of the, uh, in the beginning of the fall, we don't start off, we're not beating teams, you know, four five zero or something like that, because we really haven't spent as much time in the attack. We really tried to be uh, very organized. We're trying to manage, you know, make sure we don't have players getting hurt during preseason. It's really tough in, in soccer. We have such a short time for one of the most aerobic sports that the NCAA sponsors. And we're trying to get, we're trying to get legislation to, to change that and give us four days more. Um, so hopefully we'll be presenting that in 2025 mm-hmm. uh, to, to get that done. So I'm on one of the committees that, that is working on that. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, so that's, I would say that's kind of it. I think that we developed comfort in our, in our goalkeeping, as far as the depth, you know, and having Mel and, and having Casey and we have another girl, Millie, uh, Switzer. So um, I think that, I think the other thing was the comfort in our defenders. You know, this year we start off in a three back system and we played two sort of freshmen. One was a true freshman and the other one had redshirted her freshman year because she was out injured all season. So two of the three were freshmen in there. Um, and then, you know, now we played uh, this fall, I mean, the spring, sorry. And I thought we did a good job. I mean, we really did not give up that many goals. The goals that we gave up were were probably coaching errors on set pieces. Um, we gave up three at Tarleton, uh, and they did a good job of setting their screens and how they um, set open spaces for themselves. And so we learned from that. Uh, and that's what it is, is a learning opportunity in the spring. The great thing about the spring is I never feel any stress from the spring, you know, because really the results don't matter. Right. So yeah, and we the, back the, the focus is clearly development, right? The focus is clearly development. Yeah, for sure. It's it's individual development. And then there's there's team concepts in there as well. But really a lot of it is about trying to help the individual player and and what they're what they're doing and what we want them to do. Right. Right. So what has you now we start to look forward? What has you most excited about the upcoming fall season? When you kind of you extrapolate everything, you go back, lessons learned from 2022 fall season, everything you just mentioned that you take out of 2023 and now plus your incoming recruiting class, right? Your freshman class. What has you most excited about this upcoming fall season? I think the depth, you know, I, I, you lose five players up the middle and that was my biggest concern was, you know, how are we going to replace these girls? We, you can't replace them like for like, but we have different players that that stepped in during the spring and I thought did a really good job. Um, you know, I think our leadership is developing. Uh, you know, we graduated one of our one of our two captains, but we have one coming back. And uh, you know, I, I think that the confidence that we have as a staff in the players that we have, and also the confidence that we believe uh, will happen from the the new players that we have coming in. And uh, so, yeah, I would I would say that's probably it is the 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 confidence in the depth of our team in that. Yeah, we graduated a lot, uh, but we feel like it's not going to be a learning year for us this next year. Um, that's really not what we're about. We haven't been doing that. Um, so yeah, I think we have maybe one losing season in the last 16 years. And, uh, you know, we tell the girls all the time we're here to win. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. And yes, we want you to have a great time at school. We want you to get a great education. 
We want you to make new friends, all those kind of things. But don't forget that you're also here to win. And it's not just to get experience um, in the NCAA college level. Um, you know, sometimes players get confused and they think that, you know, we, we want to play favorites or something like that. And, but my job is on the line and, and so is Harold's. And, you know, I'm 54. I'm not, you know, looking to be jumping around from school to school, you know, every two, four years, something like that, uh, and just see what fits. So I like it here. I think we have a philosophy that works uh, in the conference and I think it works in the region. And um, so the good news is for the players is that we give them, I hope, a clear picture of what we're asking for and it makes it easier for them. I hope. Yeah. We've, you know, we've often talked about that with, with, uh, so with, with high school student athletes, right. With recruits, uh, in my other aspect as a recruiting coordinator, uh, I've talked about that oftentimes with parents as well as with student athletes. And I tell them, cause this is going to be when they arrive in college and they're playing at the next level, this is the first time where they even have to, realize right where they have to just contemplate the fact that this is their coach's livelihood at the end of the day right it 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 really is so i think sometimes that prior to that that's never even entered a you know a, a player's mind let, let alone now whether they care or not that's a that's a different right that's a different question that's a different topic but yeah i think it's the first time they have to realize that that there are ramifications to results or lack thereof as well. So great point, coach. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that too, the high school coaches and club coaches as well, it's, it's their living and, you know, but it's, it's different because of the games that they can play and the tournaments that they can or cannot compete in. And so I think that there's ways to, you know, get wins and, you know, it's not just, here's the schedule. It is what it is. You've got to win those games. And so, yeah, so I, I think that it's a, a legitimate point to, to bring up to the players that, hey, coaches have a responsibility to win games. Right. Absolutely. So we a couple of questions here for you, Coach, in terms of just the state of the game, right, at different levels. First one is a high school question, and I kind of want to get your thoughts because, as you know, a big chunk of what we do is covering the Texas high school soccer scene, right? So kind of want to get your thoughts just regarding the Texas high school soccer scene from, from your, your takeaway, what you've noticed over maybe the last couple of years, your take, what's, what's your take on the, on the Texas high school soccer scene? Oh man, it's, it's so different, you know, in, in Texas, the thing that kind of is odd to me is the redistricting. Like, it seems like it happens all the time. Every, and two, years. Just, Every two years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in shock in that because I know they didn't call out a two, but there's, there wasn't the kind of movement where, you know, districts are increasing so huge and, you know, getting smaller and adding more schools and all that kind of stuff. So that's always something that I think changes things. Um, but I mean, high school soccer to me is the same as it always has been. And that is, it's good. Um, some teams are better than others. You know, you have some players that are better than others. I think the biggest thing for me is that I would say that there are some teams that don't have the same type of athleticism in the back and maybe the tactical awareness, I think maybe. Um, and so, you know, you see a lot more breakaways and you see mistakes, obviously in, in college, there are plenty of mistakes too. I'm not trying to say that we're an overall better, a better product, but I think that defending is, is different in college than it is in, in, oh, yeah. in high school. And so, um, to me, that's one of the things is the, the number of breakaways just from a mistake, either a starting position by by 
center backs or just not anticipating or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but to me, it's always, it's a mixture. There are some really good players in there. And, and I think that sometimes people think that college coaches don't want to go watch a high school game. It's not that we don't want to watch high school games. Cause I go to, uh, I watch a lot of the local games here in town and it's not that the issue is, is I have so much time in a day and I've got to get different things done. And sometimes going to watch a high school game with two players that are in a recruiting group that I'm looking at is not the best use of my time for two hours to go in and watch that game. Sometimes I want to go and I want to see an age group. So I want to see a club team or a club tournament or something like that. And it's more economical for me to do that. So I know that there's always this big debate about, you know, high school soccer versus club. But to me, I want to go and see where the best players are. But it's about the economy of which I can go see more of them that are in that right age group. Uh, in club. Now I'm curious, I'm sure you've done this in the past, but do you use the high school side of it to see maybe when you're, you're zeroing in on a particular recruit and you want to see them and you've seen them maybe in the club setting, maybe you've seen them at an ID camp, but now you want to see them in a different setting such as, you know, on the high school fields, right. And with their team. And do you use that to kind of just as another marker, just to see them in a different environment to see what they're like? Yes, we can. We can, we do that sometimes. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing is, is who are they playing? You know, I don't want to go watch the game. That's going to end up six zero. Uh, you know, there's, it, I mean, if I'm watching the team that's losing and I'm trying to watch their goalkeeper, then perhaps, you know, or, or defender, something like that. That's a good point. Uh, but you know, that's always something for me that I struggle with when we get recruiting videos. Uh, we'll look at them and, you know, a lot of times now they have the scoreboard in the background or whatever. And I look at the scoreboard and it's five to zero and I see someone scoring the sixth goal of the game, you know, and I'm, it's not that I don't want to see that, but I want to have context to evaluate a player on. And if I'm going to do that in video, then show me the game against the number one team or the number two team in your, in your district, your conference, wherever it's at. I don't want to watch, you know, the game where you destroy a team. And when I look and I see a team that, in the video, if I'm looking at the opposition and the defenders are giving no effort to give back, get back, or they appear to be, you know, slow or the midfielders, their technique is all, everything's, you know, four or five touches to play every ball. Um, then I have to wonder what I'm looking at and saying, is the quality there to have context for determining whether this player is good enough or not good enough? Gotcha. Yeah. Great points. Great points. So now on the college side, coach, you know, we've had, over the last five to six years, we've seen some massive changes, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, in the college game from from the transfer portal and obviously the post-pandemic fallout to, of course, the <clears throat> the now NIL, right? The NIL, which is the latest piece. So any one of those would be huge in the college game. But the fact that they all three of those came within about a five, six year time frame of each other has been massive, right? <clears throat> so so those have been pro- you ask any college coach those they'll probably going they're probably going to tell you those are the th- any one of those or all three of those are the most significant changes in maybe the last 10 years in the college game but what would you in your own personal opinion what would you project as the possibility to be the next biggest change in the college game in the next maybe 5 years you know a few years ago i would have thought that the the power 5 conferences would have broken off and created a new, you know, super division or whatever you want to call it. And that's, that still may happen. Um, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see the NIL 
Uh, I could see the NCAA changing course in the NIL. I think that in some places it's sort of a wild west. Um, there's always new stuff that comes out about what you can and can't do. Right. Uh, some, I mean, some programs, they've just got, you know, gobs of money and donors. They're just saying, listen, I'll give every one of your players $10,000, you know, to come here. And uh, that's on top of whatever you might give in scholarship or they might earn in academic uh, aid. And so that's, that's changed quite a bit, but I mean, the transfer portal is just crazy. Um, you know, May 1st, we, we use a service that helps notify us when, when new kids enter the portal and it sends them a questionnaire and they can fill out some stuff in there and give us a link to some video or, you know, what the kid's looking for, that kind of stuff. On May 1st, uh, which was the first day that, that D wants to come back in, I think I received 175 emails uh, before lunch. Uh, just wow. from transfer portal notifications. Wow. And so, I mean, that's that's crazy. And, and I read something that said that something like less than 60, uh, less than 40% of everybody that, that enters the transfer portal, less than 40% of them play again. Correct. Yeah. That used to be, that used to be over 50 and it, it continues to decline. Yeah. And, and I think, again, what it comes back to is I think that people need to really make good choices about the school they go to. Now, obviously, it's easy for me to say that because I'm at D2 and we're a D2 that recruits D1 athletes. Um, but at some point, you know, kids need to say, I, I've found my favorite, you know, university and this is where I'm going to go and talk about the academic programs, talk about soccer, whatever. But when I see tweets and the very first thing, you know, after it says, you know, I'm so blessed and, you know, thank you for this and thank you for that. The very first, before they say, what they're doing, it always says, and I'm going to Division One, Duke University, or, you know, they can't, like, people don't know what Duke is, you know? <laughs> They've got to put in that D1, and I, I think that that speaks to the mindset that, that people have. And, and I don't know, some people I think have said that, you know, the soccer scene has kind of created that. Um, I don't know if I believe that. I, I think it's parents and kids and club and everything else you know i i think there's too many people out there that are so let me get this, let me get this wrong coach are you telling me that there are other divisions besides division one in <laughs> that's what i've heard that's yeah what I've heard. huh okay yeah we're making some breaking news here yeah so, well, <laughs> I, just, I hear you i i, I hear you it's every every yeah. kid has to go where they know they're gonna they're gonna be the right fit and listen we have kids on our team we've had kids before in the past some of the best young women ever, and they barely got to play any. And people talk to me about, you know, wow, I feel so bad for that player. And, you know, it's so devastating. I'm like, why? She, she got money for college. She made some of the best friends she'll ever make. She got a great education. She stayed fit. She stayed active. She loved her time here. Did she want to play more? Absolutely. I know that. I'm not, I'm not contesting that. But when she looks back, she's going to say, I love my college experience. All right. And there are some kids that are going to be in that situation. But if your only reason why you're going to that school is for soccer and, and you're not going to play, then again, you know, go someplace, do your research and see, you know, go to go to practice with the team. And if you get in there and you're like, I can't hang with this team. Like I'm getting knocked off the ball. They're all playing one touch. I'm playing four and five. You know, then that's probably not the right fit. You know, if you're going to that school and you're like, hey, I want to be a, a bioengineer or for us, for example, say they want to be a marine biologist. It's not going to make sense to come to Angelo State to be a marine biologist. 
you know? So if we were D1 and offering something, why would you, Why would, I mean, you could get a biology degree and go somewhere else and there are paths, but you know, the biggest thing is the kid needs to have a great experience. And I think that uh, sometimes somebody's missing the ball. I'm not sure who's to blame, but I, I see kids that are transferring and not working out and <clears throat> we want to keep them in playing the game. Love it. Well, I think one of the big, I think one of the big components of it is, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is helping a student athlete that knows that they really want to go after their chase, their dreams and play at the next level is helping define what the right fit is for them. Right. And <clears throat> excuse me, oftentimes those same athletes on their club team, they're in an environment where everybody or all their teammates want to play at the next level. Right. So they kind of start measuring, they start robbing their own journey by comparing where they're at compared to someone else, right? Someone else got an offer from this or someone else is going to this ID camp. Someone else has been invited to this. And all of a sudden they start to think, well, I, it's, well, maybe that's what I should be doing. I'm playing on the same team as them. Why aren't I doing that? When the reality of it is, is there's no two, there's no two, even teammates that have been playing together for years, everything is different, right? So from GPAs to fields of study, maybe it's the part of country that they want to go to, but it's, it's trying to figure out and define what that right fit is for each and every one of them. Right. That's, I don't think enough is put in, in the early stages, right. When they're, when they're freshmen, when they're sophomore, when they're playing in the U15, the U16 leagues before they move on, <clears throat> that has to get, that has to be, I guess, just pushed much, much more at all levels, particularly from high school coaches, not just club coaches. So, and that's incumbent upon us as, as high school coaches to be educated on that process as well on, on some level, we don't have to, they don't all, not ever, not saying every high school coach has to be a, a college, so, a college soccer recruiting expert, but helping because the high school coach becomes important because regardless of what you may say of the level of high school is they're seeing that same student athlete every single day. The club coach is not right. So now, and this is where, clubs club coaches and high school coaches can do a better job of coexisting and supporting one another and networking one another for the betterment of that student of that particular student athlete. I agree. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point, Hector. I think that, you know, talking about how they see them every day and they also see them not just in an athletic environment. They, they can talk with them about other things, you know, things that are important. It's amazing how many people just don't even consider moving away from home, you know, that they'll just go, to South Dakota State, and they're like, I've never been, you know, outside of Texas. You're like, well, why are you going to South? They're like, well, it's D1, or, or it's, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> they they want to make that decision, and you know, again, I just think yeah. there's got to be more discussion, and it's got to be more. Uh, there's got to be more real uh, conversations in there, and I think that you know, if, if you're going to be a, a place, whether it's a club or a high school or whatever, and you say, hey, we've had X number of D1 athletes. Great. What I also want to see next to that is how many of those D1 athletes stayed there, played there, how much they did. I, I think there needs to be something like that. And, and if, you know, if they've got that, then I say, okay, no problem. I, I appreciate what you're doing and, and keep after it. But I think that there's too many situations where people are saying, you know, it's D1 if I'm successful. If I'm not, then I'm just average if I go to anything else. And I, I think that uh, it's an important aspect 
of the soccer process and their college process when they're growing up, because really all these, uh, I work just with women's side. So all these young ladies, um, they're growing and developing, you know, with their minds and their concepts and how they're going to do things. You know, I mean, I had, uh, I had a situation recently where, you know, I asked somebody to go do something and, uh, they're like, uh, I'm not gonna be able to do that. I'm like, wait a second, this is your job. What do you mean you're not going to do it? Like you could come and talk to me about it and we can discuss it and whatever, but they're like, no, I just don't want to do it. And I just kind of go, okay, well, this is someone that's trying to learn how to be an adult and you know, how, how the real world, how the real world works. And uh, sometimes it's a bit of a shock for, for kids. They're not used to getting told no, they're not, they're not used to really being pushed um, outside their comfort zone. Yes. There's, there's, there's going to be failure in there. And how do you deal with that? And when you have failure, one of the best things is, is the ability to work through that and be successful. And I think it means more to those people um, when they've struggled and they've put in the sweat, you know, they've been at the field and they've been, you know, frustrated and crying and, you know, they're on the edge of heat exhaustion or whatever, if they're here in Texas. Um, Those are the people that are going to be stronger in life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to your point too, coach, there's two things I wanted to hit on real quick so we can move on. But on this topic is one, it's very important. Again, going back to the don't chase the D one or bust moniker, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Go, go where you're, where you're wanted, right? Where you feel the love from, from a coaching staff and maybe, and maybe that team, right? Whereas you're trying to chase maybe a bigger name, a bigger school, right? <clears throat> because of the optics of it. But the other one, too, the more important one, the one that surprises me and the one when I speak with recruits pretty regularly with PSAs, right, with prospective student athletes, mm-hmm. for, our, for our high school student athletes that may be listening tonight and coaches as well, is you'd be amazed. Encourage encourage your your athletes to, as they start to kind of zero in on select schools, right, encourage them that they need to be watching that program play as much as possible. So, because you'd be amazed how many, how many athletes are, they're interested in a particular school for, because of the soccer program, maybe because of the academics, but yet, and, oh, maybe I, I kind of like, I kind of like that coach, but they've never seen them play. They've never seen their style of play. And, and the question is, is can you see yourself existing in that program, right? Their style of play, their philosophy, right? Can, can you see that? And, it it amazes me how many athletes have never watched said said program play ever. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. I think that going to watch a game is is fantastic. I think that it's something that we try and talk about during the recruiting process. If if we're going to be playing in the fall and we're looking at someone, we're like, hey, we're going to be in your area. You know, come watch the team play. Come listen to how the staff talks to the players. How do we manage you know big moments in the game, not just for the result. But how do we handle when somebody makes a mistake and they come out? You know, is the coach, do the player and the and the coach walk away from each other? With my team, for example, I tell them, listen, when you come off the field, the first thing you're going to come do is give me a fist bump or a high five or something like that. But we're just going to acknowledge, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you just did out there. And the players right. do that too. And it's it's also about respect for um, the substitutes. So the players getting ready to go in. If the player that's coming off is, you know, angry and upset, and, oh, uh, you know, I can't believe you're putting in this girl or whatever. Of course, you're going to destroy your teammate. 
you know? And so these are little things that, that, that make a difference. Going to the ID camp is, is a great starting point. I think too, when possible, go and train with the team um, yeah. if you can, because I think then, you know, playing against all of the college players is much different than like at our ID camp. You know, we put our players in there and different teams and that kind of stuff to play. But again, how you can compare oranges to oranges and not apples to oranges. So you're a recruit and you're competing with all the other recruits. You think that that's apples and apples, but it's it's not because they're they have no cohesive action, right? Because they never play together. Uh, but for us, we can see some things based on what we're talking with them and asking them to do. We have some ideas we want to see, and then when we have them play against a team that might be mostly comprised of ASU, now we can see the sink or swim. You know, mm-hmm. do they have it? And then when they come to practice, now they can ask questions. And I always tell the girls, hey, go and talk to our players. Don't come and talk to me and say, hey, you know, are you a good coach? Are you nice? Or, I mean, <laughs> go, go ask the players. Of course, I'm the greatest coach ever. I'm the nicest person. I never make any mistakes. But but go talk to the players and say, hey, what is a coach really like? When he gets mad, what, what is that at practice? Is, you know, is he, you know, cussing and kicking stuff and, you know, whatever? Uh, is he quiet and just kind of walks away and self-introspective or – you know, but you get insights to the program and you figure out where you might fit or where you maybe don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. Such as so many great points, great stuff on that coach. Thank you. So we start to transition here, coach. Last question of our first segment here. I'm going to put you on the spot here. And I love asking this question uh, of, of all our college coaches in particular. So the 2020 finish this sentence for me, the 2023 season, for the ASU women's soccer program will be a success if? Man, that's loaded. Uh, if we continue to perform to the Angelo State standard, I, I don't know that I can define it more than that because mm-hmm. – I think that, listen, that we could have a great season and still come in fourth, lose in the conference tournament and be done, but still could be a good season for us. But, you know, do we have the the different things that we do, you know, with, um, I don't know. I can't give out everything. I know that Alex at Lubbock Christian is listening to this, so <laughs> I can't give him everything. No, you don't have to. You can go no. whatever direction you want. But, That's but the things that we do, you know, did did we pick the right players? Did, did, they, did these players have the characteristics? Do they have the yeah. skill? Um, you know, do they have the mentality that, that they're a fit in the Angelo state way? And, and we mm-hmm. feel like they are. Uh, but yeah, for us to have success, I think it's, do we have this, the, the Angelo state standard, do, does our team meet the Angelo state standard? Um, and, and for us, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be in postseason. You know, I think for us, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we've evolved to. I'm very proud of that. Uh, it's something that we've been able to do with with different classes. It's not like, you know, we just did this with one group where we made some really good decisions and then it faded away. I would say you look at our, our team performance in the last 10 years, uh, I think we've been one of the best teams in the region. And uh, we want to continue that. And the other part that we want to do is continue to take steps forward. I think last year, for whatever reason, I, I put a little bit of extra pressure on myself, which then translated to the team in the performance. And, and it was tough. We, we still had success, but it was, it was tough. I was grinding on them a little bit, mm-hmm. um, trying to get that next level. And uh, maybe it wasn't the right time for that. So we kind of want to let the the process take care of itself and, 
and get us to where we believe we should be in the postseason. It's a great, uh, great answer. Great. You know, you always, we try to ask that one. We want it to be as organic as possible, even though there's no way around it being loaded on some level, but, uh, but yeah, no, we appreciate your candor on that coach. Thank you. So um, it wasn't, uh, was a great, not overly diplomatic. It was, uh, it was, it was real enough. How about that? (laughs) Listen, we, we live in a diplomatic, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty upfront with the players. I like to be honest and, and, and upfront with them. And I do that with recruits as well. Right. Um, and that's why I tell them, go and talk to the players, because if the players think that I'm a bad guy and I'm not doing a good job, I've told my players, tell them whatever you really think, because they're going to be a part of that all the time. And, you know, I want them to know what they're getting into. I think that we do a good job of encouraging the girls and being supportive and teaching and all those kind of things. Um, but, yeah, we we understand, too, there will be trials and tribulations along the way as well. Yeah. Yeah. A, uh, a fan of ours, a fan, we're a big fan of his work as well. Ken Murphy's in here, Ken Murphy photography, talking about kind of hailing the, uh, that aviation program you were just talking about coach. Great stuff. Yeah. I maybe just saw some work that he did. Uh, did, yes, yes. That was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I complimented the, that player. Yeah. I think he called you a nice, uh, nice head coach in here too. Said you're nice. So I like that. Great stuff. Thanks. Shout out to Ken Murphy. Yeah. Um, great stuff. So, Coach, that's first segment is in the books. We know you're going to stick around with us for uh, we get to pick on you a little bit with our counterattack segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this very quick break. And we're back, episode 80 of the 5050 podcast. We are live with uh, Travis McCorkle, the head women's soccer coach of the <laughs> Angelo State University Rambells. He's uh, showing off his uh, his new facilities there. I like that. Uh, hey, speaking of that, coach, you said, refresh my memory here, you said that was all private private donations, private donors. Is that right? Yeah, all donor, all donor funded. Um, that that complex here behind me, uh, all that. Um I'm trying to think. Actually, that that part may have been in the initial part. So let me see. This part right here, mm-hmm. this is what we had at first, was just this one section. Uh, and that, I think, was maybe a partly a donor, a business donor, and ASU. And I think the rest has all been uh, through donors. And then the new oh, field house, locker room and offices, all that, that's $2.4 million. That's all 100% donated. Great dollars. stuff. That's awesome. Look forward to seeing the final picks when it's all said and done, Coach. Great stuff. So. Me too. All right, counterattack segment time. Ready to uh, ready to uh, have some fun here, Coach? That's right. Let's get more real. All right, more real. Here we go. So very first one, most common misconception about San Angelo that you come across. The first thing I start off with every recruiting, uh, I say, listen, I did not ride my horse. It is not tied up downstairs. I drove here. Um, yeah, to, to just a small little rural town. Mm-hmm. Uh, concept probably yeah i always get a chuckle you know being from el paso i always get a chuckle from people from san angelo that call san angelo west texas 
because I that's that's what I consider <laughs> uh, Midland, Odessa, and West is what I kind of consider West Texas. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, great point. VAR, yes or no? VAR, VAR, whatever you want to call it, yes or no? Yes, it's a pain, but yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. It, they still need to make it better. Uh, my poor Manchester United. I've had a struggle the last four or five years between Manchester United and LA Galaxy. It's been rough. So, uh, but luckily, Man U's back on the mend, and uh, yeah, yeah, VAR needs to improve, uh, but it will. It's going to be painful, and it has been, but it's going to get better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say this, uh, it looks like Man U is a, a point away from Champions League, right? Is that is that right? Point. We just got to. Yeah. The, the problem is, we're going to have to probably beat or tie a Pulisic's team, and then I think who else do we play? Bournemouth. I think you all still had a game in hand. Don't you still have? We do have a game in hand, yeah. Yeah, yeah we have one point out of the last two games. And two games. one's at home. So hopefully if Maguire doesn't play, we got a chance. Yeah, Burnmouth sounds right. I can't remember the other one. So it's Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea right? That is Chelsea. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So, um, all right, next one. Favorite number and why? Oof. You know, I would have said eight, but I have to say 10 because 10 was my soccer number. Big fan of play. I remember uh, growing up and I wore out uh, the VHS tape that was the Pele uh, series and he would go through all of his techniques and stuff. Yeah. And then the other part was the movie Victory. I had to watch those mm. all the time. Um, and they just like pumped me up for my games. And yeah, so number 10, I, I didn't really develop into a number 10 until uh, college. So when you were talking about you at Air Force, Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You look younger than me, so I don't think we crossed paths. But we did play against uh, Air Force Prep and Air Force JV uh, a few times when I was at Mesa, Colorado Mesa. Yeah, yeah, so we played I- against them. So when I was at the when I first started, when I was at the prep school, we would go up there because you know how we play. The prep program is kind of independent. We play and we would play. Uh, we played Colorado Mesa. Um, so yeah, but this was on the girls' side though. So I was on I was on the girls' side. So okay, um, but yeah, I heard you then- saying you played because uh, I was like, yeah, because. We played against uh, the prep and the JV between 87 and 92 when I was there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, I made the the move up to the hill with the with the with the I'm going to say it with the D with the women's soccer program, the D1 program. There you go. <laughs> All right. Lake, uh, lake, ocean or river? Ocean. 100 percent. All the time. Can't beat a beach. Yeah. OK. Uh, bucket list destination. And if you say theater of dreams, this podcast is over. I'm just no, right. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I, I would be like the Maldives or Fiji or something like that. You know, where you have one of those little uh, um, condos or whatever over the water. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you can't beat that, man. Yeah. So I'm a huge, huge ocean. My wife and I, uh, several years ago, off topic, but several years ago, we went to the Houston shootout and they had the, where they would give one coach. Um, round trip tickets. And so one year I won those and nice. so I brought them home. I told my wife, I said, listen, find some place good that we can go. Maybe if there's a beach. And so of course my wife finds the most economically uh, responsible choice. And we go to the grand Cayman islands. Listen, it, I have to save up all year for it. We go for two weeks. It's the best two weeks of my life. <laughs> uh, you know, I always wanted to learn how to scuba yeah. dive. And I thought, you know, living in Texas, how am I going to learn how to scuba dive? Uh, one block over, there's a scuba instructor. And so I learned in his pool. And then we, we went down to uh, Balmeray. 
mm-hmm. did a dive there, and I've dove every time since then. So I love it underwater. That's great stuff. So you, yeah. so you all make it. A, it's an annual ritual now. You guys go every year. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, go every December. It's right after the the national championship. Mm-hmm. Usually, like that same time. I'm always hoping that I can uh, change our travel plans and have to push back my flight uh, right. two days. I think. Right. Well, here's here's hoping that you have to make those uh those travel adjustments one of these days, Coach. So great so. stuff. Thank you. All right, hobby you discovered. We go back. We reflect back on the pandemic. Okay. Hobby, maybe you discovered during the pandemic. You had a lot of extra free time, so to speak, right? Or you were kind of limited in what you could do and we're stuck at the house, maybe. Hobby, you discovered. Man, nothing I'm proud of. Probably like like binge watching TV like everybody. Yeah. I mean, oh, I can tell you one. Um, my players turned me on to, uh, so I always liked reality TV. I like Survivor, um, all those types of things. And my wife would watch like the Real Housewives of Orange County or whatever. And then my girls uh, told me I need to watch the Housewives of the Potomac. And so now I know all things Housewife Potomac. The Potomac, huh? Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing, I told you. It's nothing to be proud of. <laughs> all, right. all right, next one. You might have already given laid the groundwork for this one, but we'll ask it anyway. Greatest sports movie? Oh, man. You know, I loved Victory. I, I did think that that was a great sports movie. Um, but I don't know. I oh, It's man. tough. I know. I have three that are kind of tied for first because I can't make up my mind on my top three. Yeah, I mean, Hoosiers was so good. Right. Um, you know, I loved Rudy as well. Um, I'm trying to think. There's other people. Like, I, I, some people have watched, like, every soccer movie and they know – like there was one, uh, what was the kid's name in like Lord of the Rings? And he was like in a, um, it's the green something. Green Street. Green, green Street Hooligans. Yeah, Green yeah. Street Hooligans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. So I watched some of them. Um, I mean, I enjoy watching Ted Lasso. Uh, I don't know if this season's been as great as I had hoped. Maybe I built it up too much for myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably... Man, we were talking about this the other day. This is the kind of stuff baseball. They sit around their clubhouse all day because I go over there for lunch uh, yeah. most afternoons, and they have all these kind of things all the time. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, if I had to choose, I guess I would say victory just because the soccer and, you know, there's nothing better than watching Sylvester Stallone try and uh, be a goalkeeper. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's out with us. Speaking of series, I just saw something where he's on some sort of reality series now with, with his daughters, yeah, his daughters or something. Yeah, I, I just saw that. I was like, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what a career that guy's had, man. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the American dream. Yeah, uh, man. Who writes their own their own screenplay, turns it into a movie, makes it into a full on like just everything. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, he's uh just right when you think he's gonna kind of disappear, he comes right back with something else. Yeah. So, um, all right, next one. So you've kind of you already mentioned the first part of this. So favorite and least favorite soccer team. So my favorite team is is the Galaxy. Uh, you know, outside of ASU, of course, be the Galaxy. I have to always tell everybody this was back in the days before David Beckham came. Uh, so in '96, uh, I was in Colorado. I had a chance to go and and participate in open tryout, you know, and whatever. And so I was like, oh, the Colorado Rapids. I'm going to follow them and. I knew a couple of guys that played with a couple of guys that, that um, 
had some brief stints there. Mm -hmm. But their coach was an English guy. And, oh, my gosh, I just hated to watch them play. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. And so I just was watching all the all 12 teams. There's only 12 teams at that time. And I had uh, just my wife and I just gotten married a couple of years before we got direct TV just so I could get the MLS uh, package. And as I was watching all the different teams, I just fell in love with the Galaxy. And, mm -hmm. and that was back um, at that time. want to say. Was that uh, Lothar Oceander when he was coaching the team? I think maybe. I don't know. If was, yeah. What, what are you talking about? Like, or what? 96 with the Galaxy. 96, right? So, yeah, I think so. Sounds sounds right. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I think it was Lothar Oceander. But, anyways, they just had a great style. Um, mm. And I just love the way that they blended, you know, Rinci Sanfuegos. They, they've had some really great players on that team. And so, obviously, the last five years have been a struggle. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Galaxy will be the favorite, the team that I hate. Uh, I won't mention any Lone Star teams. So, <laughs> um, let me think here. In soccer, that one that just I would say probably the San Jose Earthquakes, just from the original uh, California Classico, and those two teams. And I think that Wondolowski helped me hate them more. And <laughs> when he choked in uh, was it twenty fourteen? Uh, don't mention Belgium. Yeah, don't mention that. Yeah. Yes, and and we didn't take Landon because Wanda was going to be better. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, um, but yeah, probably probably San Jose. I struggle to watch them still. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, here's a little tidbit for you. I was, I used to be a, uh, for my time when I was in Colorado, I was a uh, Rapids uh, season ticket holder. So, yeah. So they, I still, tr I try to follow them, but with, you know, what little Stan Kroenke really puts into that, <laughs> into that, it's tough. It's tough. I feel so bad for Robin. I mean, I, I yeah. used to play against yeah. Robin and, yeah. Uh, back when this was back when the Colorado Foxes were the closest thing right, to right. true professionals. And um, they would come down and play us down in Grand Junction um, once a year in their preseason. Um, and, uh, man, I mean, yeah, Kroenke just doesn't do anything for that team, man. No, it's just it's it's kind of where it, it's kind of like a new like a Newcastle, right? I'm, which is I'm, I'm glad to see Newcastle finally breaking through making champions league again after 20 years just because those fans so deserve it right you can argue you can argue or disagree with in terms of who the owner is now but those fans are so deserving so deserving and kind of feel the same way with with the rapids yeah i mean it seems like the rapids purpose is just to develop talent and as soon as they develop it and, and they do have any yeah. kind of modicum of success sell them get rid of it yeah sell it off yeah. they go yeah yeah very true so all right, so next one. So this is one that I always make it a point to ask of all coaches. You are appointed. So Travis McCorkle is, a pro, is appointed. There's a new position in this country. It is the soccer czar in America. You are appointed the soccer czar. What is the very first thing, immediate change you would make in soccer in America tomorrow? Ooh, just in America? Yeah. Um. I would say uh, all youth play for free. If there was some way to make that happen where you could still, uh, you know, bring in the right coaches and especially getting good coaches at the younger ages, you know, when the skill development really needs to be set. I don't know if that means that, Hey, in order to, you know, for every million dollars you're play, you're paid as a player, you know, you owe a hundred hours of community service to go and serve, you know, teaching kids soccer or whatever, community service really you'd want to do, but I think a lot of them would go into mm -hmm. soccer. 
um, spending time there. But I just think that the pay-to-play model, and I was a part of that too. I was the director of coaching for seven years uh, for the Grand Mesa Fire uh, in Grand Junction. And so I get it. But, I mean, we weren't – like I was the director of coaching for that club. We had 16 teams normally. I made $30,000. or thirty. I think I got a raise, and I think I left at $33,000. Yeah. This was back in – 2001 when I left, you know, I wasn't making a ton of money. Um, it just seems like right now, I mean, gosh, you have to spend so much money to, yeah. to go to the biggest things. And, you know, I mean, the regionalization of youth sports is gone. Everybody has to go to these big, huge things. So they go to the, to the uh, Walt Disney world, you know, or Disney world, or they go to this thing, they go to that thing and they have these mega complexes and you have, all this money going into the sport. And I just wonder if it's all going into the right places with the right emphasis at the right time. Yeah. And so I, I think what I would say is, is find a way that every MLS team has got to have uh, club teams. And, you know, there's other ones underneath that. That's fine, but it doesn't cost to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a very common one that gets, that gets mentioned. And yeah, I think that it's a tough one. It's really, it's hard to argue around the fact that, and obviously not just limited to soccer, but youth sports in general, it's, it's pretty easy to see that that has really gotten away from us, right. On so many levels. So two other um, small things real quick, because one yeah. that I try to push, but it's not an American thing. It'd be a FIFA thing. And that is make the penalty area only 12 yards uh, deep and 12 and uh, let's see, it's 12, make it six yards wide of the goal. So you shrink the size of that you'd have more free kicks and I'm actually fine. If you, if you keep the width the same, but the depth needs to be shorter. I just think that there are too many times. I think you'd have more opportunities to score if the goalkeeper was slightly reduced more and where they could use their hands. Um, and then what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, oh, get more uh, assessment for referees. And it's not because some people say, because I don't like referees. Listen, I was torn uh, between going the coaching route or going into the refereeing route because I had a chance in, in 96, I, I was a state level referee and, and doing pretty well with it. Um, but I just think there are so many referees, they need more feedback and they need feedback yeah. from people that are professionals, not from, you know, uh, mom and dad sitting in their chair in the stand saying, you know, <laughs> get closer to the play or you got to call that, or, you know, they need more, they need more feedback. They need to know what, how they can improve their performance. And I really don't think we do a great job of that here in the U.S. Not at, not below, I would say below the Division One level, I'm assuming again, because everything has to be Division One. But there, there is more resources because uh, more people want to do Division One. Yeah. Um, but get more assessment done. Give more feedback to referees. Stop complaining that they're not doing this, not doing that. Get, get you know, some of those upper referees again. Give back. And I think that goes back to what I just said before about, you know, changing things at the youth level, have the professional players give back. And even the guys that are semi-pro and the people that are helping, whatever, you know, help others. Uh, I think that would make the game better because not yeah. all referees have played. Uh, I think it does help if you have, but it's not a requirement. Uh, there's plenty of good coaches that haven't played at a high level. I'm probably one of them, um, you know, and the referees are the same way. Give them, give them feedback. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. That's a good one. That's a very good point. I think that, you know, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I recently had this conversation with a, uh, a good level state level official here in Texas, <clears throat> excuse me. And we, the interesting piece was what he mentioned 
what he mentioned regarding high school soccer, right, is for some of these younger, <clears throat> younger, still developing, but also ambitious, because I think we always forget, nobody, nobody ever thinks about the official who needs to develop as well, right? Not just, not just the player, not just the coach, but he brought up a great point as it relates to high school soccer, where um, high school soccer is a great place for some of these still younger developing um, but still very ambitious officials um, can really cut their teeth, right? And uh, so, yeah, he brought up a great point there too that I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about. It. And as we all know, especially coming out of the pandemic, there is a legit shortage of officials, right? For for a number of reasons, to include just the treatment of officials. Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't know what the answer is. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I think that there's a lot of players uh, that could help there. I think that, you know, we, we have a number of our girls uh, that do that in the spring. Uh, yeah. They go and referee games. So uh, they do a lot of JV games. They do a lot of uh, local youth games. And some of them will even dive into, you know, some of the adult leagues uh, on the weekends. So um, it's good. Um, but they need more feedback. They need more. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing a good job. But one of the things that I think that referees could really uh, improve on is how they manage the players, how they manage the players, and how they manage the coaches. You know, I've got one red card ever as a coach, and it was at a game from a guy that had done D1 men's finals. And my player's running along the touchline with another player, and just as she's about to play the ball, the opponent steps into my players and gives her a little nudge so she can't play it. And pushes her in this field, had like a little hill down the side of it. Mm. I go, I go, come on, ref, you're better than that. You know what she's doing there. And he, and he just like, you're better. He goes, uh, you need to be better than that. Sit down and shut up. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, and, and I, I couldn't believe it. He had said it to the other coach during the game. And I said, wow, I don't know if I could handle that as cool as, as he did. He like just sat down and shut up. And I was like so unprofessional. But I mean, it's just not how you talk to people. Right. You right. know, and I mean, there hadn't been anything said back and forth between us. He was just having a day. And, you know, again, how you manage the people is always going to help you. You know, yeah. you're going to make mistakes. But I mean, I remember doing that. I'd be like, listen, I couldn't see. I'd, I'd walk up to a player and say, I couldn't see that. I was screened. I said, it looked like it was off for the defender. So I gave a goal kick or I gave a corner kick, whatever. And uh, you just have to be honest with them and mm -hmm. say, I'm going to miss that one, coach. You know, right. Rather than yeah. just like exploding on people. I mean, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and having said that too, I mean, we don't help all the time because again, my <laughs> yeah. job depends, my job depends on us winning and losing. When I see somebody make uh, what I think is an obvious error, um, you know, we feel compelled to point it out. Uh, and that's our way of trying to help them, but it usually doesn't get taken that way. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Next one. Yeah. Game, as a coach, not as a player, game day superstitions or rituals? Don't really have any. No. I'm not. I'm not big in the superstitions, man. I have this little um, penny in a frame in my my office, and it talks about ask me how this penny got me where I'm today. I think I told you this one last time I was on. Um, but basically, the short version is is you know I kept that penny, and I thought it was gonna be good luck for me. And then down the road, I was like, no, I need to be the opposite of that. The reason why I'm I put myself in a, in a situation to succeed in soccer where the hours that I spent down at the field playing the hours that, and the dollars that I spent, Oh my gosh, the money that I spent to go get the U S soccer coaching licenses, you know, but watching 
thousands upon thousands of hours of soccer. You know, those are all the reasons why I know what I know or I believe what I believe in. It's because of that. And it's one of the things that we put on our players. You know, you can't you can't say when I do something well, you can't say, oh, you know, I did a good job and pat myself on the back. And when I, something bad happens, I go, oh, well, it's, you know, the ball hit the rock, you know, hit something wrong and bounced off this way. I'm like, no, your shot went 10 feet over the crossbar. Not, luck had nothing to do with it. It's your technique. Fix that. Yeah. So we really try and tell our players, listen, when you score a great goal, take credit for that. Don't say, oh, I got lucky because, you know, the ball bounced to me one way or another. But you were ready for it and you did what you needed to do. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't I don't really have any any superstitions. I don't think so. Other than, I mean, I, I try to have our staff kind of look together. Like, you know, like we're all going to wear blue. When the team wears white, we wear blue. Mm-hmm. We wear blue, we wear white. Um, but no, there's no like special meal. Um, I don't have to put my left shoe on first and uh, leave them undone like Diego Maradona did yeah. or something like that. I don't really think, I mean, maybe my wife could tell me something that I do that she recognizes, but no, I don't really have anything. No. All right. Okay, good deal. Next one. Uh, we'll, we'll come, coming back to your, uh, your pandemic hobby here most recent and you probably already mentioned it but your most recent binge watch uh well right now i just started watching silo on apple tv um it's a futuristic show they're all supposedly we don't know yet they're supposedly in this big silo that's like you know uh, deep in the ground and the earth is uh post-apocalypse or something so i don't know i've just started getting into that um I'm trying to think of what the other one was other than like the housewives of Potomac. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the one I thought you were going to go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, what was the other one? I had another one, but I can't, I can't think of it. Um, yeah. I just wrapped up. Oh, it was uh, outer banks. It was outer banks on Netflix. Okay. okay. A lot of the stuff that I watch is because my wife's like, Hey, let's watch this together. And so then I watch it. She falls asleep and then I end up watching the whole thing. I just wrapped up one that I just randomly came across on Netflix. Uh, Beef. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I watched that. Uh, yeah, uh, that came out like three, four weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. I was just it kind of kept throwing you some curveballs, so that was an interesting one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, got two left here for you, Coach. Some philosophical ones here. So, okay. in three words or less, why do you coach? Three words or less. I love competing. There you go. It gives me an outlet for that. There's no right or wrong on that one. My wife knows that I I need that. I mean, I've recently taken up pickleball with her because we're looking for something that we could do together. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, she's a big tennis player. Okay. And uh, so I was like, well, maybe if I did this, you know, I don't have to run too much. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we started playing pickleball and uh, that's been a lot of fun. And, and I do get a little bit of competitiveness in there. As I found out, I played my first tournament uh, a couple weeks ago and I was quite upset with myself and my performance because I got two silver uh, medals oh. and I didn't I medal. Don't tell, me you got red carded. don't tell me you got red carded in pickleball. No, no, no. I'm an angel there. That's yeah. not that one. I know what I'm doing. I don't ever lose my cool on that. So there you go. <laughs> All right. And the last one, coach. 
So I've been asking this one as of late to coaches. How would you, so knowing everything you've learned, right, over, over the course of many years as a coach, you talk about all these licenses and everything. If you could go back and coach you as a player back in the day, right, with everything you've learned now as a coach, how would you have coached you? How would you have handled that? How would you have handled you? It's a weird, it's a weird thing because, you know, one of the first thing that pops out of my mind is get fit. So, you know, push myself to, to work on that because I've never been one, you know, that kind of enjoyed uh, running to run. That's why I always want to do everything with the ball. Um, although we do mix in some things, mm-hmm. but um, when I was in college, Mesa didn't have a men's team or a women's team or anything. And so we had a bunch of guys that wanted to play and uh, we ended up um doing a, a club system within the, within the university. And so right away, I mean, I'm 19 years old and I'm coaching that team because nobody else wants to kind of be in charge of it. And so it's weird. I, I didn't have the end of my coaching career was probably when I was 20. And that was because, uh, or excuse me, not my end of my coaching career, end of my coaching slash playing career. Um, sorry, I meant the last time I was coached. So I was playing for the U23 team in Colorado mm-hmm. and, um, that one there, yeah, it was probably fitness. I mean, I went to Metro. Uh, I'd been at Mason. I thought, well, you know, I was trying to prove to my to my stepdad, you know, that soccer was not just, you know, a game that I was going to just play well into whatever. And, I, you know, I should be getting a job by then. I was trying to prove to him that, hey, you know, this is going to be something more than that. And so I got that scholarship to Metro. Again, talking about taking a scholarship or, or going someplace not with the right intentions, like the very beginning of our conversation. Um. And so I went there for uh, one semester and then came back home because it wasn't the right fit. I went there for the wrong reasons. Uh, but anyways, one of the things was, is my fitness really drastically improved while I was there because I had somebody else pushing me. It wasn't me. And so that was the part that I kind of missed out a little bit in my college career because most of it I was coaching myself, um, you know, with a, a couple of comments, obviously, from teammates you know, and say, well, you know, Travis, maybe think about doing this or think about doing that. I did have a good mentor that eventually started playing with us in men's league and he was a good coach. Um, and that helped. Um, yeah. And I was actually fortunate in high school, even though we only had like local, it wasn't really club like club is now it was more AYSO type stuff. Right. But the person that coached me, um, her name was Barb Hicks and she played with the women's B team national team. And, uh, so I was really lucky there to have somebody that, you know, that I believed, uh, had a lot more experience than me and I needed to listen to and, and try and do what she was telling me. Um, but yeah, I think the fitness part would be the the one thing. Um, the other part I would say is probably remember that uh, it's a game, you know, and in some moments it's hard, but I think the best thing is, is make sure I'm aware of the moments that are great, you know, whether they're funny, whether it's development for one player, when you see that light bulb just sort of go bing, and they get something. I mean, we had that happen this year with one of our wide players. We've been telling her for, you know, the last three summers, hey, go home. You need to work on one move and then have a counter to that. But work on the one and come back and have it be almost automatic where you can't even control yourself. It's just muscle memory and you do it. Um, and this year, you know, she's finally getting that. Um, not necessarily that part, but also like kind of how to check back and draw the defender and then look to get in the space behind or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But that light bulb moment, um, appreciating those and recognize them and not just saying, yeah. okay, good practice and go home, but really kind of, you know, letting a player know, Hey, that's a big deal. 
that you've got this. This is something we've been working on for a long time. And for you to get it now is an accomplishment for you. It's not a world changer, but it means something to that player um, that they really are making a difference in how they're playing. Well, well said. He is Travis McCorkle, the head women's soccer coach of the Angelo State University Rambells. Coach, this has been great. This has been phenomenal. Thank you. uh, Thank you for all your time. And again, this, excuse me, this segment brought to you by our good friends at Global Scarves. Global Scarves is the top provider of custom knitted scarves, beanies, and other fan merchandise in the United States. All merch is fully is fully custom customized with free design services and free shipping on all orders. You can contact them at info at globalscarves.com to get any free designs or quotes built out for your school, club, or program. Again, that is you can contact them at info at globalscarves.com. You use the code hashtag 5050pod and they'll take care of you. So Great I saw stuff. you today. It looked nice. Yeah, yeah, it was great. They've done great stuff. They've done absolutely great stuff. A little input here from Ken. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Uh, and does phenomenal work for a lot of our soccer athletes around the state of Texas. So thanks, Ken. Uh, coach, this has been great. Thank you for everything. Really appreciate you. And uh, you know, as is customary, before we go, we uh, kind of like to wrap up with uh, what we call our stoppage time, which is essentially our final thoughts discussing any shot anything that's on your mind regarding the game shout outs thank yous anything anything you want to talk about that's been on your mind as of late regarding the game the floor is yours yeah i mean i don't want to thank you first for having me on thank you Uh, appreciate that and i think that uh you know getting information like this out is a huge service to the community i know that uh you know probably you're stacking up all that money in your bank account that you're making off by doing all this Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, I see all your money going into graphics and stuff. The opening part was amazing. Uh, but yeah, it's really something that, man, if it can help people get some insight and, and make a difference, I think it's really worthwhile. And I think for us, you know, at ASU, I think uh, I'm just talking about recruiting and all that, whatever a player is going to do, spend the right amount of time, you know, make the right choice for you. If, if whatever level it is, if it's the right fit for you, it gets you what you want academically, it gets you what you want soccer-wise, and with your social uh, part as well, so your your family can come see you and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, do what's going to make you happy. Uh, and then the other part is put the work in. For any player at any level, if you want to get better, it doesn't happen, you know, by just seeing a YouTube video or, you know, watching some fancy move or something like that. Go out and practice it. And the more practice you put in, the better you'll be. And so – uh, just like my, my parents would always tell me, you'll get out of it what you put in. And I think that's really a, a worthwhile thing. So, um, but I'm so grateful that you have this and uh, helping players and parents and, you know, everybody that's, that's going to watch this. Um, I hope that they get a, a benefit of the, the experience. Excuse me. Thank you, coach. Appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. That's ultimately at the end of the day, that's, that is a big chunk of our mission and why we, you know, why we established it is to be able to bring on great coaches and for it to act as a platform for our student athletes and for our parents and, um, and for our coaches as well, you know, to be able to talk the game at various levels. So thank you so much. You know, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, grateful for your time as well. And again, for our listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, for our listeners, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Twitch at 50 underscore 50 pod on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. And as well as on YouTube, just search the 50 underscore 50 podcast. 
Uh, and then again, for the audio podcast portion, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Just look us up, the 50 slash 50 podcast. Coach, this has been great. Thank you again all for our listeners. Really appreciate everything you do in propelling us, pushing us forward. We've had a great last six, seven months as we really continue to grow. And uh, also a big piece, we do have some big announcements coming up later this week. So please be on the lookout for those. Got another big podcast coming up in probably two or three days from now. So where we'll be having a very, it'll be a very specialized podcast, also making a big announcement as well. So please be on the lookout for that. Got some great stuff as our team continues to grow as well. So, uh, and covering this sport at every level from, you know, the high school side, college, all levels, not just D1, all levels, right? And then, of course, the uh, the club scene as well. So, you know what to do. Until the next time, for our, all our listeners, thank you. And until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. Thank you. You've been listening to the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.